Hello listeners and welcome back to a long-awaited summer transfer window special of the Plus Dave podcast. We are, of course, the Tottenham Hotspur theme show that's brought to you by a team of Spurs fans and a Leeds fan called Dave, who joins me today for the first time in several weeks and what feels like an eternity alongside Elio for our pre-season today. And we're going to be looking at what's been a very active window for Spurs so far, which is something as Spurs fans we're not particularly used to, analysing the ins and the outs. And there have been a fair few ins as well. And of course, we're going to have a look at the rest of the window and how that might shape up any potential signings coming up and a couple of potentially missed targets as well in there but a lot to get through and we're all going to try and remember how to do this because it's been a long time and uh, one of the people who's going to be helping me find my feet again is of course the man himself Dave. Dave welcome back how are you feeling? It's been a while hasn't it? Hi Jags hi everyone uh, yeah it's been um it's been a while. I'm thrilled that Leeds are still in the Premier League and that we can still have these conversations oh. where I'm where my team is still relevant, which is and great. You're still here. Uh, so yep. I'm still here. Yep. I haven't drowned myself. Um so so yeah, that's a big I did positive. mean on the podcast. Still alive. Uh, yeah, still <laughs> For here. clarity, yeah. I didn't want to take it that dark just yet. So yeah, I think it's been fascinating that, and, and quite quite funny as well and coincidental perhaps that both Leeds and Spurs have probably been the busiest two teams um, mm. so far in the transfer window. So, you know, I've got plenty to talk about too if anyone wants to talk about my team. No, I mean, absolutely. Had we done this a little sooner, we could have been talking about a potential Rafinha to Spurs, which would have been a tasty topic. And it's, it's still potentially there, but it's looking like he's probably off elsewhere. Barcelona probably being the most likely at the moment. But but yeah, these are having a busy one as well. So uh, Dave, normally we start these episodes off trying to get you to remember all the goals that Spurs have scored in a 5-0 drubbing of some poor team. And this time it's how many transfers have we made? How many players have we signed? Do you even know how many signings Spurs have made this window already? You're going to have to refresh yourself. Due to the vast prep that I had done for of this uh, podcast, yeah. I can tell you that 30 minutes ago, I could not remember two of them, but now I can remember all of them. There's five, I'll forgive right? you if you didn't remember Fraser Forster, in fairness. He's not the most exciting. Without disrespect I think he might have him. been the first one I remember, oh, to be honest. <laughs> well, Elio and I had a conversation just a little while ago, just to warm up. You know, it was our, our pre-match training, and I've told Elio about all the prep that I've been doing, and he, of course, returned to say that he has done absolutely no prep whatsoever. Elio, as I'm sure will be a theme throughout the season, because your life is Spurs prep, isn't it? You live and breathe it. You don't need to put any FNC getting ready for these podcasts do you well surprising that i've made it this far quite frankly <laughs> but uh winning yeah, it. It, uh, absolutely but i'm glad to see the way the window's gone so far i'm glad mm. that uh, dave is still thrilled to be in the premier league i took that to almost mean that every day he wakes up and has to remind himself that it did happen they did yeah. stay up and it wasn't just a really good dream several months ago and he's been going through some weird kind of shutter island moments ever since so uh, <laughs> so uh no leads yes are still in the premier league this podcast is still as relevant as it was last season however relevant that may be and we, we have <laughs> another trip to ellen road to look forward to this season Indeed. Absolutely. Um, I should add at this point that our usual regular Joe Brooker has been left behind on our preseason tour for today, which has uh, sparked a lot of speculation. But I assure you that the strong rumours are he will be a Plus Dave member next season. So fear not, he will be back. He's just uh, otherwise engaged for today's episode. But anyhow, it's been a really busy window, as we've already mentioned. Five big signings, potentially a few more in the works at the moment. Which one excites you the most? Um... 
this is just attacker's bias, but it's got to be Richarlison. I mean, I don't think he's the player that we've signed that is the best for his position compared to the other five that we've signed necessarily. I mean, obviously, mm. we've signed a very experienced French international centre-back. We've got one of the best midfielders in the Premier League, but you go to football and you watch football to see goals and to see flair and to see skill. And Richarlison brings a lot of that, as well as some slightly interesting antics, which will provide maybe the wrong kind of entertainment <laughs> sometimes too. So so yeah I, yeah, I I I hate myself for saying it because he's likely <laughs> to not even be first name on the team sheet anytime soon. But mm. he's probably the one that has excited me most. Richardson's it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because it's hard to really assess him because obviously he's been playing in not the best team. He's never really had the chance to show what he can do. And to be honest with you, I was thinking about this the other day and had we signed him last summer, let's say, under Nuno, I'd have been very underwhelmed. I'd have been thinking, really, this guy, Richardson? But I think we've got to a point now where I almost implicitly trust Conte, Paratici, tag team signings and think... It's all been good so far. They must see something. It's going to work. Um, Dave, what do you think of Richarlison as signing? As a player in general, but I mean, as a player for Spurs and how he could fit in, how do you see that going? Before I answer that, just to touch on what you just said in terms of the kind of in Conte and Paratici we yeah. trust kind of mentality. I think that's really interesting because they did really well in their first transfer window. There's no, no denying that, mm. really, is it? You know, the two marquee signings that they got, they got absolutely bang on with uh, Bentancur and uh, Kulisevsky. Yeah. So they've got a little bit of form there. And for that reason, I completely understand why you say what you say in terms of Richarlison. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. But yeah. then but then in Conte, you trust. And, and I think that's probably the right the right attitude to have. I think we're one step behind with Leeds because this is Marsh and Orta's together their first window and yeah. I'm very pessimistic about a couple of the signings, but but we'll see we'll see what happens. Um in terms of Richarlison, I mean he's a he's a dickhead, isn't he? <laughs> uh you've signed a wrong we talk about we love him. Uh instant uh, hero. I think I think, you know, if you want to get a player with several match bans for throwing flares around and mm. generally falling over the, the whim, then you're absolutely onto onto a good one with Richarlison. Yeah. Um I think he's he's Everton's best player and I think Everton are clueless because they don't have a manager. They really should have got one now. They like haven't had a manager for like a year. Um <laughs> but anyway, um they've lost their best player. Mm. So I think that makes them very, very, very questionable and possible potential relegation candidate. Yeah. Unless they pull something very, very interesting out of the bag, which I honestly don't see happening. News is they might be even giving up further and getting rid of um, Anthony Gordon. So mm. uh, we'll see what happens with that one. But yeah, I think Richarlison is a good player, all jokes aside. He's not potentially my cup of tea, but he's a class player. He's almost as good as Rafinha. <laughs> I can't decide whether he's your third best forward and he will start in your best 11 or he's your fourth best forward and he may be your first option off the bench, but still get obviously tons of games because you've got loads of games. Well, that's the thing we were talking about earlier, isn't it? I think Conte's come out, and forgive me, I don't have the quotes, but he's basically suggested that there is no first team and backup anymore. We're trying to create, especially with the five subs thing coming in, that we're trying to create an environment where all the players can play and it will be a rotation it'll be a bit like what we've seen from Man City over the last few years potentially um, let me ask you this Dave so mm. Richardson kind of forward slash left winger kind of player basically a human son type in terms of where he plays how many goals do you think Son would have scored last season playing in that Everton team with Frank Lampard as his manager oh, that's a very difficult question to answer um, just trying to assess Richardson and his output really I think he'd probably gotten a few more 
Not many more. Do you know how many Richarlison um, got? I think Richarlison. I think he got, did 10, he get about a dozen? he got ten goals and five assists in in twenty eight matches. It must be said as well. So not a full season. It's not a bad return for a terrible team, is it? Yeah, he he had his injuries. Well, Everton scored goals mm. and they got enough points to stay up. Yeah, but yeah, I think it's a difficult one. I think someone probably has got a few more. Not many more. Ultimately, Richarlison kept them up and I think if Son would have played for Everton he would have done the same yeah. sorry it's a bit of a weird question <laughs> I, I threw you a bit there you can tell we don't prepare that much for these I think Richarlison Dave just said he kept him up and he did and I think that's probably the thing that makes it most exciting about this signing he's clearly a player that takes responsibility and will roll up his sleeves and do what needs to be done to win which is exactly what Conte wants in a player and that has been a theme yeah. through the players he picked last season, uh, sometimes picking players that certain sections of the Spurs crowds weren't too keen on, but he picked them because of their attitude and because of their, their gumption and their ability to implement what Conte wants them to implement to win a match of football. Richarlison is one yeah. of those players, just like Kulusevsky, just like Son, just like Eric Dyer and Pierre-Emile Hoybier. So I think that mm. there's a lot of that about it. I mean, there's a bit of a misnomer with him in that he's this super versatile, great across the front three player. He never actually plays on the right at all, as far as I'm aware. He no. has played down the middle, but most of his output has still been on the left. However, he's a tall guy. He's clearly a fairly good athlete and a very good presser. So there's no reason why he couldn't do it down the middle. But so far, it has been in terms of his output, mainly from the left. Last season, he actually played more down the middle, but produced more from the left, for instance. So mm. I wait to see how that unfolds. But even so, if you look at us sort of where we are compared to where we were last season in terms of that front three positions, Kane, Son and Lucas Moura were starting as a front three last season now we've got Kane Son Lucas Moura Kulusevski and Richarlison to choose from that is yeah. a very impressive complement of five players if you're thinking that Lucas Moura is potentially the worst is our fifth best forward for a three-man front line he'd be the best forward at good quarter of the clubs in the Premier League and get into the first team of probably another quarter of the clubs in the Premier League so I think that mm. that's a really kind of good place to be at. I think the thing that excites me with the Richarlison signing the most is that for the first time, we're spending real money on getting Premier League proven depth. It's been a long time since we've done yeah. that, ever since prices went completely crazy. When prices weren't quite as mad, we used to do it. Harry Redknapp had a good complement of two players per position, but you didn't used to have to spend 40 million plus for a bench warmer uh, back then. Uh, we also have loftier ambitions these days. But I think in terms of where we're putting our money now, the fact that we're doing this as opposed to getting Lorente for 11 million, Vincent Janssen for 18 million and Kudu for 10 and G for 10, players who we lost money on all of them because they showed up, took a lot of wages and did fuck all. I think this mm. is a really exciting aspect and shows a real step change. And uh, I don't know whether that's always been the plan because of the stadium. I don't know if that's just because Conte has some incriminating photographs of Daniel Levy. Who knows? But it, it's encouraging. <laughs> Do you think a big part of why he costs so much is the fact that he can actually cover for Kane? Because I think that was one of the things we've been looking for for so long, someone who can actually play, Absolutely. who's good enough to challenge those front three or two of them, but can actually play in the middle. 
Because there's only a narrow pool of players we could have realistically got that are good enough to do that. Absolutely. I mean, goals cost money at the end of the day. More than anything else, they are the prime currency of the Premier League, so of all football. So the fact that he costs so much is going to be by and large because we will have faith we can put him down the middle and not suffer a hit to our style, to our goal threat, essentially. Obviously, he's not as good as Harry Kane because... Mm. there's maybe three number nines on the planet as good as Harry Kane and one of them is Harry Kane the other two are uh, playing for Bayern Munich and Real (laughs) Patrick Bamford yeah Mm. playing for Real Madrid and Bayern Munich at the time of speaking Mm. Um, obviously one's trying to leave Bayern Munich so so Harry Kane is it's not about getting as good but the other thing that we've paid for I think is a bit of future proofing because Richarlison's 25 Son's 30 Kane's 29 They're not going to be around that much longer. Kane might go into his mid-30s because he's not a pace-reliance player. And as you've seen with sort of Lewandowski, Benzema, Cristiano Ronaldo, you can do it if you play down the middle at the very top level, if you take good care of yourself, which Kane does. Son, he's a very clever player who moves very well, but it remains to be seen if when he has that first hit to his pace, which let's say 32, Mm. 33 years old, he begins to slow down. Will he be able to do a Ronaldo and move into the middle? Will he be able to make that adaption or will that take a big chunk out of his game? Who knows? One thing that Richardson really does offer, and you touched on this earlier in terms of his pressing, is that defensive forward, high press kind of aspect of his game. You guys will be delighted to know that I've been surfing FB ref for some percentiles here so I can analyse some of our signings. The most impressive things from Richardson's are actually in those defensive numbers. His pressures put him in the 92nd percentile. His tackles are in the 95th percentile. Remember, this is compared to forwards in the league over the last season. Um, And he's on 93rd for interceptions as well. So he's... He's definitely that kind of player that can really push up and be a nuisance. But speaking of him being a nuisance earlier, and Dave mentioned this, are you worried about his antics, about his theatrics and all of that? Because I must admit, I did a search on our WhatsApp chat for Richarlison and I would read out all the messages that came up, but they were quite colourful, shall we say. So I don't want to give myself too much bleeping. Does it concern you? Do you think he's got an attitude problem or do you think that's just... I don't think he's got an attitude problem. There's nothing in terms of dressing room disruption. I've never heard anything that sort of makes you think, oh, he's going to come in and rock the boat, sort of. I mean, Everton, Mm. by all accounts, every fan, player, staff member, tea lady loves him. So I think there's no worries from that respect. In terms of on the field, yeah, I'm not a huge fan of some of the rolling around and some of the sort of uh, little spiteful bits but at least there's some justification there with the output he provides as well when it's someone like Lamella yes I know he's a cult here yes I know many people listening will (laughs) not like me for saying this when it's someone like Lamella who literally lives just to quote unquote shit house but doesn't actually Mm. produce anything other than the odds wonder goal (laughs) The odd Puskas winner. The odd Puskas winner. Then, Once in eight years. Then I find it hard to, to live with. But mm. when it's someone who actually has a tangible effect on the team performance and they do that stuff, they end up being that player that you say, well, you hate to play against them, but you love them when they're on your side. And exactly. I think that's what Richarlison's going to be. Stefan Freund, another yeah. cult hero, absolutely hated him. Useless bag of shit. All he did was wind up opposition <laughs> players, couldn't make a tackle to save his life and had all the ball control of a epileptic hamster. But Richarlison, he does the niggly, nasty stuff that when you watch him as an opposition fan, you dislike. 
but he'll also get you goals and assists. He'll yeah. also press like crazy. He'll also fight for the team. And and that buys him that ability. Don't get me wrong. I'd still rather he didn't do it. But I think the fact that he does it is mm. probably part of what appeals to Conte. So Definitely. Yeah. I mean, if, if Romero was playing for anyone else, we'd probably hate him too, wouldn't we? Let's be honest. Yeah. And that's probably the sign of the kind of player you want in your team. Um, anyway, you mentioned that Son and Kane are getting on a little bit and they're, you know, pushing the wrong side of uh, late 20s and 30s. Um, Perisic. He's even older. He is. Another signing of ours. He's an old man, practically in his Zimmer frame at 33. Dave, what do you know about, about him, Perisic? And what do you think he can add to Spurs? I think... And is he too old for us? Mm, no. As some fans have no, suggested. No, I don't think so. I think he's played for some really top clubs and he's obviously looked after himself and he's worked very well with Conte in the past and that is obviously a big positive I think actually Perisic might be one of the better signings that you've that arguably the best signing that you've made from a, from a kind of dressing room mm. perspective. I think you're bringing in you're bringing in an absolute yeah. winner yeah. who just knows what he's doing, knows how to perform and how to get the team that he's playing with to perform at the highest level. And I think that's a really important factor that you know if you look you do look at the other signings and and ultimately you're going to have to admit it, you know Spurs haven't won a lot and a lot of people who've with who've with Spurs haven't won a lot. So getting in a winner. Who also mm. knows the system and also has worked in, with with the coach in the in the past, I think is a pretty smart move. So I think that's a, yeah. I think Perisic could you know really um, not necessarily do things that you don't expect him to do on the pitch, but do things that you maybe mm. didn't consider when you signed him in the dressing room, which is give everybody a bit more of a, yeah. a you know a champions mentality. Yeah, I think in terms of improvement to the position and to fit Conte's system, there's an argument that he's the best signing in that regard certainly Elio what can we expect from Ivan Perisic and what do you know about him I mean he's obviously had a, a very kind of celebrated career he's played a hell of lots of international football I think he's one of Croatia's all-time highest appearances mm-hmm. over 100 I know that much and quite a few goals in there as well for a player who's not a striker um, World Cup final as well World Cup final as well the guy's won the Bundesliga, he's won the Champions League, he's won the Bundesliga twice actually because he was with Dortmund once upon a time as mm. well. He's won Serie A, he's won the Copa Italia, he's won a lot. He's. Do you remember when we signed Edgar Davids and how exciting that was? Yeah. And Edgar Davids played yeah. well for us and he wasn't peak Edgar Davids but he played well yeah. for us and he brought a real steal and a real winning mentality to a young side and we got into the top six mm. of the Premier League and got into Europe for the first time we finished fifth that season nearly finished fourth but our inexperience overall that's down a bit in the end as well as the dodgy lasagna as we all know but um, <laughs> but Edgar Davids brought a real kind of know-how and a real ability to know how to play a football match and I don't mean play in terms of skill I mean actually play the match um play smart. exactly and and that's what Peritich is going to bring but beyond that he's also a very talented player don't forget this is a winger come inside forward who's been converted to left wing back so he's mm. got his fair bit of skill and flair he's still very fast despite the fact that he's getting into his sort of supposed twilight years and he's still been starting for a top top club in Inter Milan. He was he played almost all their league matches last season. So I think we're getting a real sort of thoroughbred here. And yes, yeah. you're you always think you'd rather sign the 27 year old version than the 33 year old version. But for free, two years, Conte's clearly got a lot of faith in Sessignon and is pushing him more and more anyway, as the end of last season shows. He's taken Sessignon to Korea. He's not taken Regulon. I think having mm. an experienced head 
while Sessignon builds up and builds up to bring kind of the finished product is is really clever and it's a position that needs a strengthening. I think it's also worth saying that he's that in a 32 I, th- I think he's got at least a few years left in him. I would classify him as a late bloomer because if you do look at what he actually has achieved in his career not much until he turned 29 yeah. but then he won everything with Bayern Munich and then he went to Inter Milan mm. and won the league. So you know he's you know the four the four what I would class as the four major trophies I think he might have won bits and bobs with with other teams beforehand but the four major trophies that he's won in his yeah. career and really the, the when he's become prominent as a, a world class player has been in in his late 20s and and now yeah. he's 32 and there's no reason that he can't do that for at least another couple of seasons, I don't think. That's totally great. He's three years younger than Novak Djokovic, who just won his seventh Wimbledon today. You know, he's running around all over the place for five sets sometimes. You know, it's ridiculous. People are saying he's he's too old to be in the first team. And I think it's it's just this hangover from years gone by, isn't it, where players weren't as healthy, they didn't take as much care of themselves. And 30, they were starting to think about doing their coaching badges and hanging up their boots. But it's just not the case anymore. And there are so many players that have proved that. But he's, he's a proper wing back, isn't he? Now, I know he hasn't always been, and he probably could provide cover for maybe the left side of that front three. But he's exactly the kind of player Conte would have wanted, isn't he? Elliot? He is. You'd imagine Conte would have had a lot to do with He's also versatile. He's completely two-footed. I mean, I think his right foot's meant to be mm. his main foot, but he's very, very two-footed. And I don't think it's going to be a case of... Him in Sessignon for one side, Dotty and Emerson, or one of those and whoever we might sign. Let's say we do manage to get Spencer the line for the other side. I think it's going to be a case of Perisic is in the first team as long as he's fit yeah. and on form. And then the side he plays on will depend on who the best option is from the other three. So I think we'll see him on the left and on the right, depending on whether Conte would rather play mm. Dotty, Sessignon, or whoever else that day. Yeah, or of course, if we sign, say, Jed Spence or another right wing back or someone to add, which we may well mm. do, there's still time left in the window and we'll, we'll, we'll get on to that. Uh, eight goals and seven assists in Serie A last season. That's not bad for a supposed wing back. I'm certainly going to be putting him right into my FPL team. I'll tell you He'll that. be captain for your early um, league cup games. He, <laughs> yeah, exactly. He might well be. Um, let's talk about Yves Basuma because uh, that's the other big kind of marquee signing that we haven't talked about yet. First of all, pretty worth just mentioning quickly that, of course, there was the whole cloud hanging over him of the sexual assault allegations. My understanding is that he's no longer under investigation for any of that. So, of course, just worth mentioning, I think a lot of people were a bit concerned that we were potentially signing somebody with that. But when I heard that we signed him, I think, and Eddie, I think we had this conversation, my instinct was we have probably had a tip off that it was all clear and it was going to be okay, but just thought it's worth mentioning that. But talk about the football, excellent player, isn't he? He he taught us a lesson a couple of times last season, didn't he? He's one of those very rare builds of midfield that has this absolutely sort of on point, solid defensive game, aggressive, fast, um, reads the game really, really well, but also still has a whole bundle of talent to go with it. And yeah. even though different player, there's a lot about him that reminds me of Kante at Chelsea. He, he's he got mm. that ability to sort of win the ball deep and then bring out from the back and sort of develop play early on because he's he, he is so comfortable for the ball, but he, yeah. he is so sort of able at sort of... He's a one-man midfield. I mean, he's the sort of player you want in a two-man midfield where you're sacrificing the third player. And it's going to look like we've got three midfielders when he plays, even if he's in a two, because he he's just that imposing. I mean... 
completely different player too, but this is the Dembella replacement we've been waiting for. <laughs> yeah, I was about to ask you, I remember when we played last time and we had our podcast after the Brighton match, you compared him to Dembele then. And we've been talking for so many years about needing to replace Dembele and needing to replace Walker. And we, we might've just replaced Dembele and potentially Spence could be the Walker replacement. Let's watch that space. Um, Dave, talk, talk to me about Ibasuma because he was very highly sought after. A lot of the big clubs were linked to him. Bit of a coup for Spurs then, isn't it? It's a bit of a statement of intent that we managed to get him when there was talk of him going to, to Liverpool. and Yeah, well, I think it's been the benefit of getting your business done as early as possible, which, yeah. you know, is there's two ways of working in a, in a transfer window, isn't there? There's trying to horse trade and wait to see what happens with other teams and then spot an opportunity in mm. the way that we did last season. Uh, and that's probably a good best example that I can think of is when Ronaldo signed for, for Scum, we saw the opportunity to get Dan James and we got him on deadline day. Yeah. So there, that's a way to do it, and it does obviously work. Obviously, I'm not saying that I'm not saying that you do it like football manager and you say, "Oh crap, I've got 30 million quid in the bank. I need to sign someone on deadline day." I'm sure everybody will put the put the yards <laughs> in, but getting it done early, yeah. um, you know, the the risk is that somebody better comes along or you kick yourself because that that's happened. But ultimately, I think getting your business done early is well, it's. It's made my summer a lot more enjoyable as a Leeds fan. I'm sure it's made <laughs> mm. your summer a bit yeah. more enjoyable as a as Spurs fans. Um, and, and I think and I think that is going to be one of the main reasons that you that you signed Basuma because he's and and for the price that you paid mm. for him because you just went in and said we want him. Here's the cash. Let's go. I mean, Elliot was talking about Premier League proven and how you have to pay for it. And Richarlison's obviously the example of being, what, 60 million. We, we paid something like 25 million for Basuma, didn't we? And to me, that feels like a really good deal. I think Basuma also only had a year left on his Brighton deal, which affects oh, things of course, yeah. dramatically. Yeah. I, think, I think that's what it comes down to. Also, goals cost much more than anything mm. else. Like I said before, Richarlison mm. scores goals. Basuma doesn't. Uh, Richarlison's a forward, yeah. Basuma's a midfielder. So I think that's all it goals is. Goals and being English. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I certainly don't think his off-field sort of issues had anything to do with it because mm. he was still playing every game as Brighton's main man last season. So they clearly have yeah. no reservations about him. So it's not as if they were looking to get rid, was it? He was he's their best player. And well was yeah, true. I think true. I think the goals cost money works both ways as well. Because if you really think about Brighton ultimately, I mean you look at the t- you look at the league table, I think there's only about five teams who who conceded less goals than Brighton last season. And obviously that they lost Dan Byrne in the middle of the season and they'd lost Ben White at the start of the season. But mm. they obviously still had Basuma in front of their defence. And I think, you know, there's an argument that you probably got him for 15 or 20 million quid cheaper than maybe you might have had to pay for him because Brighton didn't have a 20 goal a season striker. Therefore, they didn't finish in the top seven. Uh, because yeah. if they did have a striker, they would have finished there. And if they would have finished there, then you've had to pay more or you wouldn't have even had a chance. Mm. Liverpool would have paid seventy million for him, wouldn't they? Maybe, yeah. I mean, sure they're going to. They'll need. Um, just looking at Basuma, so this again, this indicates everything Elio was just saying about him in terms of the type of player he is and, and why he is so special. He's really high on all the defensive and ball carrying metrics. So dribbles completed in the ninetieth percentile, and then his pass completion is actually in the ninety-first percentile as well. On top of being in the kind of high eighties to nineties for clearances, interceptions, and tackles. What more can you really ask for? And he can hit a thunder bastard, Dave. I don't know if you've seen, <laughs> but he's got a hell of a shot on him. And he potentially, dare I say it, could even be a free kick taker because I've seen him smash a few of those in. 
I thought being able to hit a Thunder Bastard was like a, a prerequisite for all defensive midfielders. <laughs> they, <laughs> they pop to, up with has, a customary Wanyama special. Exactly. Everybody's bombed forward. You can see it in your mind's eye. You know, it's bombed mm. forward. Somebody's got a half clear and suddenly it's bobbling at the edge of the area. There's no one in the camera shot. And then suddenly, Kante! <laughs> yeah. Here comes Constant. <laughs> Kovacic with his volley. Exactly. Essien <laughs> definitely had one of those. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Elio, let me ask you this. And I know we talked about the whole idea of the first team and second team not really being a thing, but is Basuma in the first team for you? Do you think if everyone's fit and it's a big game, does he start? Or has he got competition from Benson Kerr and Hoybier? Because they finished so strong last year. They did. Benson Kerr and Hoybier finished really, really strongly. Skip was obviously injured, but was having a great season yeah. until he got injured. Has just been given the number four, which has to mean something. Mm. So who knows? I, I, my gut says that it will be Basuma plus one a lot of the time. I, I also think sometimes it'll be three of the four as well, for what it's worth. Oh, really? But yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think Conte will definitely be pragmatic on occasion. We know he will when we play Liverpool and Manchester City, um, basically. Yeah. Uh, no one else. Um, so I I think <laughs> I think it will often be Basuma plus one, but let's not discredit the other guys because yeah. Benson Cole basically changed the entire dynamic of our team with the way he plays football. Hoybier went from being this kind of crab, sort of poor man's Ray Wilkins type player to being this really great all-round midfield of the second half of last season. And and Oliver Skip, the sky's the limit for him. So let's see how the season yeah. evolves. But I'd be surprised if Basum is not at least on the team sheet first game of the season. I suppose the other thing to keep in mind that we've talked about it already is that the five substitutions mm-hmm. thing it means we do have a bit more flexibility mm-hmm. and the games might change sooner uh, i'm really interested to see if there's some half time substitutions coming in to change the game around because we have that luxury now don't we we can just say we right, let's just try something completely different let's bring someone off after half an hour if they're having a shocker Mourinho style so i imagine it's going to be less a case of first team and then a 85th minute sub when we're trying to protect the lead and more a case of just having a variety of teams playing every game I it's about keeping people as fresh as possible as well and listen we're going to have yeah of course we're going to have six important midweek games now as well yeah. to contend with which and will the rest, require first team I, I know but I mean pre-Christmas I'm speaking mainly <laughs> so in that very congested period yeah. from beginning of September to Christmas time we're going to have games coming absolutely thick and fast that are important in nature so so there's going to be mm. a lot of minutes to spread around so I, I think we're right to not expect a first 11 but I also think Basuma will when he's able to be playing more than not so we talked about Richardson, who has been a little bit of a divisive signing, but probably more a divisive signing and one that a lot of people haven't been too thrilled with is Clement Longley, who has the most recently confirmed signing we've made, who I imagine will play when he plays on the left of our back three or potentially in the middle. Um, had a really good start to his career, didn't he? And the beginning of Barcelona was looking pretty good, but it's probably fair to say he's lost his way a little bit over the last couple of seasons. A few high-profile mistakes. A lot of fans aren't thrilled with that signing. How do you see Clement Longley? And do you think he's been signed with a view to usurping Ben Davies, or do you think he's a backup? I think, first of all, Clement Longley has had a bad couple of years just now, having previously had Mm. a pretty good career to date. Uh, He was good for his initial time at Barcelona. He was great for Sevilla, which is why Barcelona bought him. I think Mm. the last couple of years, 
we've all been watching and wondering what on earth is going at Barcelona with all the financial <laughs> issues, the multiple yeah. managers, the drama surrounding Messi wanting to leave one summer, then not staying mm. for a season, then not wanting to leave, but having to. Like it, It's been absolutely crazy for yeah. the last couple of years at Barca. So that's not an environment for any player to really play their best. Yes, I was with a couple of Barcelona fans yesterday, actually, who were quite amused by us getting in long lay, saying that sort of mm. penalties, red cards, etc. Yeah. The way I see it is he was playing in a shambles of a defence and a side, then lost his confidence big time, didn't really get back into the yeah. team under Xavi. A lot of the time he was playing next to a mid-30s past it Gerard Piquet with a mid-30s past it Busquets shielding them. Mm-hmm. So it was not going to cultivate the best out of him. Now, there's mitigating circumstances and sometimes a player just loses their way. We've seen it with Deli Ali, I suppose. However, I think... If what we're hearing that Conte's happy with the signing and he's one that Conte ticked off of as, yeah, this guy is fine for what I'm trying to do, then I have absolutely no issue for it. In terms of his mm. on-the-ball stats, he's better than every single defender we've got at the club and he's one of the best on the planet. I think I compared yeah. him recently to Vertonghen in terms of a lot of what he does with the ball. And I think in a three-man defence, the deficiencies he does have, the slight lack of pace, the sort of over-committedness uh, in terms of winning the ball those will be less exposed. Mm. He'll also be in a far more settled side. He'll be coached out. Absolutely. And also, his manager is going to be Conte, not Ronald Koeman. I mean, that's going to count for something. So so I'm not worried. In terms of uh, why we've got him, I think they wanted to get either Bastoni or Gvardiol. Bastoni slash his wife or girlfriend or whatever did not want to leave Milan. Fair enough. He's a golden yeah. boy at Inter. I respect mm. that. Guardiol, they're asking for 80 million for a 20-year-old who's done one season in Germany. I mean, yeah. that's just madness. So I understand why mm. we're not doing that. So if the thinking is bring this guy in on loan for a year, if he's a hit, then we'll go for him. If he's not a hit, then no risk. Absolutely fine. Yeah. What I said on Twitter the other day and what I'd say to you is, if you have to choose between your left centre-back competition being Davies versus nobody or Davies versus Longley, I'm taking Davies versus Longley. And yeah, I'm sure they'll both be better for it. Of course. Well, you mentioned his abilities on the ball and you'll be delighted, Elio, to hear that I've got some more stats for you to back that up and to prove you right. So he's actually the 99th percentile for passes out of all centre-backs, 99th for progressive carries, and the 99th percentile for progressive passes. So you're absolutely right. There is literally no one better than that. That That's outstanding numbers. I won't read you some of his defensive numbers because they make for far less exciting reading. But the point is, there's a player there. And if you can just fix a few things, there's definitely something we can do with him. Dave, what do you think of Clement Longley? I think your Barcelona mates are talking rubbish, mate. That didn't sit right <laughs> with me. So I, so, I, so I jumped on the old transfer marks and had a look at it. Oh, here we He's go. He's had six red cards... In his career, which totals 316 games. Quite a few. I mean, that's still... <laughs> that's still a fair no, few, it's Dave. Not. He's had 65, had 65 six yellow cards? cards in 316 games. That's Oof. that's a booking every five games. And he's a centre-back. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah, I suppose. That's not, that's not terrible. <laughs> Tell you what, you, you, you don't know you're born. Junior Furpo gets booked every nine minutes. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's like a season for Lamella. Elio, one thing that I was thinking is there's some kind of parallel to be drawn in a way between him or in terms of the signing between him and Kulisevsky because if you'd asked Juventus fans about signing him when we got him they were like ah, what a washed up play you're buying a dud he's useless he's had a rubbish season had a very good season at what was it Parma before mm. Juventus yeah. he was looking really good signed lost his way a little bit you know maybe just a different system didn't suit him potentially it's the same thing here obviously Conte and Paratici see something in him he's obviously demonstrated that he has some abilities so I'm going back to the Conte we trust theory here Definitely I think content we trust. The, the record's there let's trust that they know what they're doing the thing is that a lot of our fans seem to forget when looking at our transfers is it's not about the price tag it's not about what great things they've done it's about their fit in Conte's system because Conte Conte won the league with Chelsea with Victor Moses and Alonso as his wing backs and a defensive as Piliqueta playing his first season ever as a right yeah. centre back having been a right back before 30 plus David Luiz and a 30 yeah. plus Gary Cahill playing on the left hand side despite being a right footer Conte mm. won the league with well over 90 points that season so I think if there's any manager that we have to just trust if he has players that can do what he wants them to, then it's about their ability to do what he wants, not their overall kind of highlights reel on YouTube. Yeah. It's when Conte's your manager. Are you not a little bit concerned that he seems very much to have been third or fourth choice for that position though? Well, fine. I'm glad that we've got someone in this far before the season starts instead of scrapping Mm. around on deadline day because we haven't got anyone like we so often have in the past. We've been decisive. Spurs fans love to criticise Enoch. And if if we didn't get him and were chasing Bastoni and Gvardiol and whoever else all summer long and didn't get any of them, then Spurs fans would be complaining that, oh, we were overreaching when we should have just gone for a Clement Longley when he was available. Now that we've got Clement (laughs) Longley when he's available, the board are getting criticised for not getting the very best out there well sometimes you yeah. just have to be a little bit clever about these things and the fact that we've not spent 50 60 million on our left center back means that we've got more money to spend on another part of the team exactly and it's only a loan and there's always next season who knows maybe next summer we will sign a bastoni or a guardio or whoever the next or uh, better, exciting young center back is longley turns out to be a revelation and we exactly. come to an agreement with barcelona for him that would be good. That would be nice, wouldn't it? And it, there's certainly been a blueprint for that with some of our other loan signings. Quick word on Fraser Forster. I feel like we're being a bit disrespectful to not even talk Save about him. the best him. for last. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's he's our, one of our first signings, Fraser Forster. Absolute giant of a man. You know, probably not exactly succession planning for replacing Loris. He's getting on a bit himself, but improvement on Galini. Yeah. At the end of the day, how many important games a season, barring a serious injury, yeah. when goalkeepers don't get injured that often because they don't move as much as the rest of the players on the pitch, how many games a season does your first choice goalkeeper not play? Not very many. So your backup goalkeepers mm. should not contravene the homegrown quota in the slightest. You should have a number yeah. two who fits the homegrown quota and a number three who fits the homegrown quota. So yeah, yeah I, I, I am absolutely a fan of the forced signing. Played 20-odd games for Southampton in the league last season, albeit because they had a bit of an injury crisis. Very experienced, has played for England. Nothing to dislike yeah. about this. But I like the Joe Made Hart signing Made some big saves too. against Arsenal as well. <laughs> well, yeah, season, right. If I remember correctly. So, you know, instant hero again. Instant hero. Um, Dave, before we move on to talk about some potential transfers and maybe some outgoings as well, I understand you have loaded up a save of Spurs on the latest football manager that you're having a look at now. What insight can you give us off the back yeah, of this? So, I, um, so I, I did exactly that and I loaded up a game. only thing I wanted to do was scout 
the five signings just to see if they were indeed all not yep. as good as Tangi and Dombele. To see what the coaches say. Exactly, yeah. see what the coaches say. Um, mm. uh, and um, I was disappointed because according to Football Manager, <laughs> these all look like really good signings. <laughs> uh, uh, Basuma, the standout, the standout signing uh, according to Football Manager twenty two yeah. original database. Si- well, not original uh, update from from the January window. Signed Basuma, whatever the price yeah. they say, whatever the price, whatever the price, wow. and he's valued between forty and fifty million. We and did want to buy him apparently, so there you go. Sounds um, like Twitter. And this is bearing in mind the football manager thinks that Tongi and Dombele is like the second coming of Zinedine exactly, Zidane. Exactly. And that Deli Alli is still maybe, a great footballer. So is, that's really Maybe this is updated a bit to, uh, to factor in the number of, uh, <laughs> number of pies. Uh, yeah. yeah. You know what? You know what, Dave? I mentioned this earlier, but I saw something. Someone obviously had a similar thought process to you. I saw a, a thread on Twitter a couple of days ago where someone had actually taken the time to go through every single Premier League team and assess their window in terms of how much their collective current ability has improved after the window and Tottenham were indeed top so according to football manager stats which we all know are bulletproof we've had the best window yeah and and the rest the rest of them were all were all good I mean Fred Foster was like meh Mm. but (laughs) everybody was either B or B plus (laughs) yeah Um, but but I think the the thing that made me laugh obviously because we just talked about Mm. defensive midfielders and the art of Mm. the thunder bastard which is definitely the title of our first book. Um, <laughs> that is definitely the title uh, of this episode. Player yeah. traits, Yves Basuma. Number one, shoots with power. Number two, <laughs> hits free kicks with power. <laughs> Take that. <laughs> Absolutely. The Thunder Bastard trait. I love it. I think the thing about our window so far is it's all been very sensible. We mm. had Regulon, who's not a wing back, and Sessignon, who is young and raw and struggling to quite bloom at left wing back so we went and signed a world-class proven experienced left wing back we are screwed every time any of our attackers goes down injured the second harry kane ever hits the deck you're worried about what's to come and Mm. we've gone and got richarlison we've had such a light midfield that's restricted us to essentially just flogging the hell out of hoibio and bentecourt in that final run in last season we went and got the best central midfielder who wasn't with one of the top clubs. I mean, that's what we've done. And without wanting to compare us to the best sides that this league has seen in terms of dominance, that is what Manchester United used to do. They didn't strengthen every year by... Mm. The one time they did strengthen with the glamorous signing, Veron. Look how well that went. But when Mm. they went and took our best striker in Sheringham or a decade later Berbatov when they went into Valencia from Wigan they they were making clever proven signings that weakened other teams and made themselves better and that's what we've done Mm. here and and that that is that is how you build a side that challenges for the title do you remember when Man United was smart There's a massive smile on your face right now, Dave. Well, that that um, that, and I was just that, and I was just thinking. Sorry, just about as you said, very sensible. I just think it's kind of like it's missionary with the lights out, right? That's <laughs> that's what your transport has been so far. Well, yeah, quite. We've got competition for the episode title all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, can anyone tell me? This is another one of our signings we have not mentioned yet. Can anyone tell me who Gianni Vio is? I know he is. Oh, oh, you know he worked. With we have as well, just didn't brought he? him in as a, is it as a fitness coach? Free kicks? Nope. No. Free Dave? kicks? Okay. Set piece specialist, one of the world leading set piece we specialists. We were garbage. Who 
reportedly, and this sounds like utter madness, reportedly he has created or has a library of 4,830 different set piece routines that uh, he can implement. I'm not really sure what that means or how that's possible, but that's what I've read. Um, and he wrote his thesis during what he was doing his coaching badges called Set Pieces, the 15 Goal Striker. Which is, you know, a fair point. If you really nail set pieces, the amount you get over a season, it can be like an extra player. So I don't know about you guys. I'm excited. This sounds very, very maybe sensible. Maybe Harry Kane will score part. a free kick. Maybe. Or maybe maybe that's his entire job. He'll come in and just say, Kane, no. And just tell someone else to take them. And then he'll earn his massive Sorry. paycheck. Sorry David, to disappoint head. you guys. This guy's a snake oil salesman. He's, he's absolute <laughs> rubbish. Yeah. <laughs> he came in and, and signed for us. And this was, you know, when we were disastrously terrible, like pre-Bielsa. Mm. And we just, there was a couple of wild free kicks that didn't make any sense. I think we scored one free kick in the season. Don't hold your breath. <laughs> I think it also well. depends on whether you have players that can actually implement it as well. well we still, but we still I, like Pablo to... Hernandez, you know. We weren't... We weren't <laughs> we, we we weren't a bunch of fat kids behind the behind the pub. <laughs> I think the emphasis was more on players moving off the ball. He said it's all about timing. I was reading some of his quotes, uh, and he was saying, you know, you need intelligent players that get in the right well, position to know when to move and when to run. And he gave Sergio Ramos as the example of. I'm inclined to agree with Dave on this. Like, obviously, I'm, I'm happy <laughs> that would, they're yeah. giving Conte what he wants and if he wants this guy then mm. give it to him hell if he wants yeah. to make his granny the tea lady next season he can do that too but <laughs> we once brought in a skills coach martin Yol was our manager at the time yeah. and uh, i can't remember where this gent was from he might have been dutch actually they didn't have the dutch name a guy called uh, moniz ricardo moniz and he we mm. we hired him i think in 2005 um, this was when arneson was running the show as director of football oh, yeah. santini was coach but martin Yol soon became the coach and mm-hmm. all of a sudden spurs fans were talking about all of a sudden simon davies is going to become the second coming of garincha basically <laughs> <laughs> It never transpired to be. I'm thinking in FIFA world now, I'm imagining someone out there on the training pitch just teaching him to do rainbow flicks and elasticos. Like, all right, no, come on. That's not good enough. Do it again. Do it again. I, I I think ultimately it's good to have coaches with different ideas and hopefully this VO guy can benefit us in that respect because God knows set pieces mm. aren't our strength. However, can't get much worse. Well, yeah, quite. However, I think what happens when the ball's in play is by far the most important thing and that's all down to Antonio. It's definitely, definitely a segment for next season. Via watch. <laughs> let's let's check out those. Yeah. Set, let's really let's analyze every, every single, single throw in and set piece and go, right, okay. I mean, if the first game of the season we get a free kick 25 yards out and Kane steps up and blasts it into the wall again, this guy's got to be, you know, in a probation period. We've got to have words. One of those where you've got like no? four people like doing the same run up and they all do step overs and then one chips it over the wall. <laughs> and then and Kane the, will just <laughs> blast into Rose exactly. anyway. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> It might be a work in progress. Who knows? Um, as good as an Henri penalty. In terms of the window as a whole, though, probably a step up from our 2013 window after we saw Bell, though, isn't it? Well, let's see. It looks like we've put a little bit more thought into it. I know we've got Ericsson out that window. Let's not forget. But it looks a little bit more considered than that one rather than just snatching at who we could get and who was out there. I think windows like that are always a bit weird because that was very much a case of you've lost our best player and you're trying to spread the wealth through a lot of potential like players leads. that can make up for it. Yeah, quite. And we 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 got Eric's in that window. We got Chadley, who is, in my opinion, a hit as well. Lamella, who some fans like, some fans don't. Paulinho, who was 
Imagine Jermaine Genas, except can't play football. That's what Polinia was. He did not have a skills coach. He did not have a skills coach. Um, and Chiriches, who God knows what he was. I think there were a couple of others in there as well, wasn't it? Magnificent Seven or whatever they called it. I think yeah. this hasn't required us selling a big player. And mm. even better, we have players that we have yet to sell that we know we are looking to, but the boards haven't done the whole sell before you buy policy that they frustratingly implemented in the past. They've gone out and got these guys and they're essentially saying to clubs who might want to buy our players they're saying you can't hold us to ransom because our transfer business doesn't depend on shipping these guys out so Mm. yeah I I think it's been really clever this window and it's it's something I'd have liked to have seen us do many many times before and we didn't so we're kind of acting like a football club now. Well, it all started with that injection of cash, didn't it? This 150 million that came in that got us all very excited. And it all started to feel a little bit like football manager when the season starts and you see your transfer budget and it's just, you know, I've got this much, I must spend it all immediately. And I know football doesn't really work that way because obviously the way transfers are structured nowadays, it's not just a straight up fee from one team to another immediately up front, is it? There's a lot of installments, Hmm. there's amortization. So realistically, we probably spent a lot less than it sounds like we've spent. So I know, again, we don't have to spend every single penny right now, but surely there's more business to come and there's a couple more signings that we're going to make before the window shuts. I mean, we're definitely going to get a right wing back of some description. Mm. That, that I think. Do you think that will be Jed Spence? I think that's been the priority. I think Middlesbrough are beginning to pee us off a little bit with mm. quite how much they want for someone off the back of six good months on the championship and yeah. trying to leverage the fact that we clearly need to do something about our non-homegrown versus homegrown situation. I think at the end of the day, if we can get him for sort of the 15 to 20 million that we think is reasonable, then we'll get him. If they start wanting 25 to 30 million, then we can probably get a very good proven right wing back from the continent for 25 to 30 million or even a little bit more. And they'll just go that way and think about the homegrown situation in another area of the pitch. So, So I think Steve Gibson's in danger of doing what Jeremy Peace once did to Berahino on on this one and trying to stand up to the big boys and he may end up with a very disenchanted player that he's not managed to shift and great for Mm. them if that player is a Harry Kane who still ends up being one of the players of the season at the end of the season not so good if that player just downs tools because he's a stroppy kid and he has shown signs of having an attitude so that may well happen Mm. I think it's interesting to note as well that that, um, oh my god what they're called no, in Forest, I've just spent a ton of money on a right wing back. So he's not going oh, there. So he's going somewhere. So that's an, one option that was on the table that is no longer on, on the table. So I think um, it might be a case that Mr. Gibson's options are narrowing. Dave, who do the FM scouts say Spurs should sign as a right wing back? Are there any recommendations on there? Any five star suggestions? On the game, they they, they said no, no issues right wing back. Oh, okay. Emerson and well, Doherty yeah. are, are perfectly no. acceptable uh, two people. They said, um, yeah. uh, what did they say? Oh, they said replace Kane because he's going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's on his way to Man City, obviously. Um, well, let's talk about the potential outgoings or the, well, indeed already outgoings. So Stephen Bergwine, that's done and dusted. He's gone to Ajax. I want to say he served us well, but I feel like it's inflated somewhat by a particularly dramatic win over Leicester and a lovely goal on his debut against Man City. But Elio, um, what are your memories of Steven Bergwijn? Are you happy to see the back of him? Do you think there was a player there? I'm not happy to see the back of him. I do think there was a player there, but I think it's very much this is what was best for everybody involved. He 
joined us and then the pandemic hit and I just think he never settled mm. to life outside of Holland. He's good enough to have gone to a decent club in Spain or Italy. He's gone to the club that he trained with as a teenager before being let go to go to PSV. He's gone to the club that are sort of almost every Dutch person's yeah, club. Dream, uh, I mean, I think this is a good result for him and I'm happy for him. Ultimately, as a player, was he worth sort of the investment we made in him? Well, we've got our money back and those two goals against Leicester were the difference in us being in the Champions League or not. Therefore, the difference between his transfer fee a couple of times over or not. So yes, we did get value of him. I wish him the best. Mm. I think if we'd persisted with him, there was a player there, but I don't think the will was there from his side. And we have at least four better players than him in those positions at the club. Even Lucas yeah. Moura, who we criticise a lot and who is castigated for his lack of output, had a season where he got 10 goals in the league. And that was mm. the same season where he got us into the Champions League final as well. Bergwijn, 80-odd appearances, not even 10 goals. It's it's not been enough. We can do better. So Ndombele, Lasoso, Saar and Hill have all returned from loans. Ndombele and Lasoso, of course, have been left out of the preseason squad, which looks very much as if they're on their way out, as have Regulon and Winks. So is it safe to assume we've seen the end of all of their Spurs careers now? Well, under Conte, definitely. Mm. If they don't get sold, then they'll be left out of the squad registrations. I can tell you that from now. Yeah. I want to say I feel a bit sad for Harry Winks, but... Screw mm. it. Spurs fan gets to play for Spurs, to gets to play in the Champions League, has made a bucket load of money in the process, has played for his international side as well. I don't feel sorry for him. I don't think he's particularly likable or dislikable. I think he's an okay player that will be useful to someone. He's well below the standard that we need. And I, mm. I hope that he finds the right club. Uh, I think he'd look good at Bournemouth or Fulham in the championship. You feel sorry for him if he goes to Everton and plays under Frank Lampard. <laughs> he <laughs> yeah. won't go to Everton. He, I think that was only no? uh, that was only ever uh, if we could take a bit of the Richarlison fee, he'd go there. I think, I think he's destined for... Oh, I know Everton are technically bottom half of the table, but I think that he's destined for the expected bottom half of the table, if I'm yeah. honest. Let's just put it this way. Let's compare him with Delhi, who we got rid of in January after a couple of fallow years, and we essentially had to give him away in the end. That's someone mm. who had pulled up trees for a good three years continuously, and he ended up going to a relegation threatened club. So I, I don't think there's great things in the future of Harry Winks. I hope I'm wrong. Mm. I hope he does well. I'd love to see an expert player when he becomes one do well, but... yeah. He's not that good, really. No, no, probably fair to say. Most people would agree with you on that one. Um, I want to talk about a couple of, I guess, missed targets, probably the way I would describe it, although who knows whether they were actually players we were involved with. Well, according to Arsenal, every single player they sign is every, someone that we've yeah, missed out on. So. Tottenham. Yeah, I know. It's, it's just hilarious, isn't it? One of those, of course, is Gabriel Jesus, who I did want to talk about very quickly. We talked about Bastoni. We talked about Guardiola. Um, Rafinha was one that for about five minutes looked like we might be linked to him. Dave, I don't know if you have any insight from your side of the table in terms of whether that was ever going to happen, but... It looks as if he's definitely going. It's just a case of where yeah, now, it's, isn't it? It's, it's pretty much been Barcelona or bust for Rafinha from everything yeah. that we are hearing as Leeds fans. And um, I mean, apparently mm. he's, he's effectively turned down Chelsea. It's just because they're only lingering in there yeah. because Barcelona 
haven't ponied up the correct amount of money yet. Um, if Barcelona do, then mm. that's that's done. If they don't, then the chances are that he, he could very well, unfortunately, end up at Chelsea, which, fun fact, would be the first ever transfer from Leeds to oh, Chelsea. Really? Leeds to Chelsea. Interesting. That's interesting. Well, I guess they have just signed Sterling as well, although he's played predominantly on different sides. So Rafinha, Sterling be... and Cristiano Ronaldo up front for Chelsea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that could be interesting, couldn't it? In terms of other potential signings, obviously the big one is Ericsson. Which I know, Elio, you were keen on the idea of Ericsson. I know it made a lot of sense. And of course, he's gone to Man United. A lot yeah. of very childish behaviour among our fan base on Twitter. We talked about it. We tweeted about it. Burning shirts and all this nonsense. I mean, I think as much as we joke about hating Man United, I know you really hate them, Dave. Um, it's not like he's leaving Leeds to go to Man United. He's leaving Spurs to go to Inter, to go to Brentford and then to Man United. No hard feelings there on your side, is there, Elio? Absolutely not. And I didn't have hard feelings when he left us in the first place, even though he had no. a fallow period for us. The guy gave by far the best football of his career to us for mm. many, many years. He didn't grow up a Spurs fan, didn't grow up in England. He didn't owe us anything. He came in and was one of our best players for a considerable amount of time. When he was with us, he was probably second only to Hazard, and even that's debatable. Hazard probably edges it because of the flair factor, but if you look at output, they're pretty much neck and neck. Mm. Good luck to him. I I don't want Manchester United to do well, but I hope he does well because yeah. he's a guy who's gone through a lot. And you know what? All things aside... The guy has happened to him what happened to him at the European Championships. He probably didn't expect to kick a ball again. He was probably grateful to see the next day of his life, but got back to playing, went and trained with Ten Hag at Ajax, then went to Brentford. Now, at the age of 30, he gets the chance to go and play for one of the biggest clubs in the world to see out Mm. sort of the peak of his career. Good for him. Uh, yeah, he's played in the Champions League enough. He doesn't need that again. He's got nothing to prove. So, yeah. Uh, and a lot of people, I mean, I saw that absolute cockwomble Danny Murphy <laughs> said that he doesn't understand the signing of Ericsson. He, for Manchester United, he's not what they need. He's not good enough, blah, blah, blah. He is going to go there and be their best midfielder by a country mile. He's going to teach Bruno Fernandes a thing or two. I'll tell you that much. Like, yeah. I, I, And he suits their system a lot more than he probably suits ours, realistically, without having to change the formation. I, if they play I don't even want to get three, into one. that. I think, ultimately... If we'd really wanted him enough to pay him the sort of yeah. money that United are going to be paying him, as I hear it, then I think we'd have got him. But you know what? I think he was someone that would have been a nice to have for us, just not a prerequisite. And no sort of tears shed, no harm done. Good luck to him. Not good luck to them. Mm. <laughs> it's kind of back to the whole trusting Conte and Paratic thing all over again, isn't it? I mean, Absolutely. I get the sense that if we really did want him, we probably could have got him. I know Man United even still have a lot of Even if that's not the case, even if that's not the yeah. case, then so what? He owes us absolutely nothing. Nice. The guy came in for 10 million at the age of 21, 22, and was comfortably hitting 20 combined goals and assists a season in the league while also producing some absolutely beautiful football. I, I have no grudges and no, no axe to grind with this guy. I want him to have a wonderful rest of career. 
but win nothing yeah. until he leaves England. Of course, and finish beneath Spurs, yes. of course. Absolutely. Which is, you know, second or third, either will be fine. Yeah. Um, Ellie, I've got a question here from, from Sox. Here, this is, it's not the most serious question, I'm going to be honest, but I imagine Dave will rather enjoy it. He says, Elio, in 2019, you said the following. Sounds mental, but I'm actually more excited by Jack Clark than Ndombele. <clears throat> Ndombele obviously will be good to go now, but Clark will be his generation's great entertainer. Which of our signings this window are you happiest with? And given that kiss of death, how badly do you expect them to do? <laughs> well, you know what? Anything to say about Jack Clark? Jack Clark, I think, has a hell of a lot of talent. Obviously, Dave has He's seen him on this far hill, Dave. more. I am going to die on this hill. Dave has seen him firsthand far more than I because he never really got to play for us in the end. In fact, he didn't play for us in the end. I think he only played but for us about 10 times, to be honest. He did. I saw Jack Clark once and once only, long before we signed him for Leeds against Derby County, where he was the best player on the pitch. He was playing either side at will, beating players for fun, and he looked like he had real verve. Something happened between then and the end of that season, some kind of health thing, which then restricted his appearances. Apparently he collapsed or something. Dave might know more about that than I drank too many Red Bulls on the bench. Oh, quite. Uh, yeah, I'm not even joking. He, like he, was, he drank too many Red Bulls. Is that really? And he, he, was too ne- he was really nervous and kept chugging them, and he had a seizure on the bench. Jesus. And then we signed him and it just never happened. The guy is still 21 years old. Sunderland are in the championship next season. He might have a great season. He might not. They might come up. They might not. They're the biggest club in the championship next season, despite the fact that they've only just got promoted there. So I wouldn't rule them out getting consecutive promotions. We paid 10 million or 11 million, whatever, and it didn't work out. We paid five or six for Deli Alley and... It absolutely did work out. You you can't always get it right, but I, I'd want us to always make signings like that. And yeah, I said he was going to be this generation's great entertainer. Hasn't transpired to be the case. Can't get them all right. Long way to go. He's still young. Can't it's get still them good. all right. It's still good, guys. <laughs> so of <laughs> these be like signings... He'll be and Elio will still be saying, you mark my words, just <laughs> wait. <laughs> this is his year. He might be a late bloomer like Perisic. Well, quite. You know what? I just... I saw something in that one match and I only the only reason I even watched that match was because of all the Spygate stuff. They made it really, really interesting with, yeah, with all please. with Lampard's crying about sort of Bielsa sending in the the KGB and all that. So so <laughs> That's exactly I just what happened. um <laughs> <laughs> so I just I saw a talented player, I got excited, I got it wrong. I still told everybody else that David Bentley would be shit for us and I was right. Well, there you go. <laughs> In fairness, Elio, I don't mind giving you a hard time about these kind of calls because you are quite regularly very accurate about your predictions and you've called quite a few of our young players that have gone on to do great things. Harry Kane, chief among them. So, uh, And speaking of our young players, actually, maybe a second, but I'm pretty sure I heard that the England under-19s have just won their Euros. They have. And Dane Scarlett and Alfie Devine were among the ranks. They were among the ranks. Just looks... Very exciting. Scarlett, I'll be honest, when I've seen him, I haven't quite got what all the hype is about. He's very athletically accomplished for a teenager, and that always worries me at that age. Is it just the fact that they're a boy in a man's body making them look better than the rest of their age group? However, he seems to be really highly rated. He's getting chances, let's see. Alfie Devine 
is a real talent. I wouldn't be shocked if we actually keep him around for the first six months of this season, see if he can actually break into the sides. And if he doesn't, then we loan him out because he really is an entertaining mm. player. And there's a lot of Nick Barmby about him and not the Nick Barmby Dave remembers from Leeds, but <laughs> the good Nick Barmby that played with Klinsman and Teddy Sheringham. So, Is so, he going to be his generation's great entertainer though? That's what our listeners want to know. Uh, I, I plead the fifth on that one. But <laughs> 17 years old. He looks to have an absolute buttload of talent and he seems to have a very... What he has, which can sometimes be good, sometimes be bad, depending on what measure of it they have and how justified it is, is he has swagger and arrogance when he has the ball. And I think that's a bit of a prerequisite for skillful attacking footballers. We mentioned Alfie Devine when I mentioned Joe Gelhart. Um, a mm. few months ago, mm. Gelhart has gone on to score a few goals for us and be vital in our in good. our survival. I wish we'd got him and as and well. I'm sure Divine has done something incredibly, incredibly good for the first team at Tottenham. But anyway, we were talking in in comparisons. Maybe that's another segment for the next season: uh, Divine versus mm. Gelhart. Watch just to see how uh, how those two are developing. Interestingly, we've got we, we can trump your 17 year old Alfie Divine. We've got we've got Archie Gray oh, yeah. in our. Um, well, he started for us alongside one of our new signings in the latest preseason friendly. Archie Gray, grandson of Eddie Gray. Uh, oh, really? Yes. Uh, he's I was about part to of ask, the Gray actually. dynasty, uh, who have all played for us. <laughs> and yeah, he's a central midfielder and uh, he's 16. So, Well, I've only just realised that Alfie Devine's father is Sean Devine, who was a the Barnet legend. himself for Barnet, I remember. Yeah, I just, I'm looking at the Wikipedia and I never made that this connection. This is where we're getting to now. Yeah. <laughs> Sean Wright, Sean Sean Wright for Lynch's intel right here. son plays for City. <laughs> Ian Wright's grandson plays for you City. You love some football nepotism, don't you? Well, <laughs> you know, I, I, you know what? Actually, footballers, I'm not that bothered about them. <laughs> It's, no. it's, it's the whole. It's the, you kind it's of the, have to be good enough to stay in the team. Pochettino's kid didn't go very far in our team. Yeah, did he? how's the Dan, uh, the goalkeeper, going? How's the Dan? How's he getting on? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, it's been a very entertaining window, and I imagine it's far from over. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing who else we sign. Is there anyone we haven't talked about in terms of potential signings, or just anyone out there that you think we should or could go for that you've heard rumours on the ITK forums about? I don't, don't want to talk suggestion? too long because I'm missing Love Island, but um, <laughs> I, I do want to say it's fantastic that this is going back to what I said at the start. It's amazing that you just said, "Well, it's been an amazing window." It's the 10th of July. There's like two months mm. left. It's and, so, and we it's did a so lot of this good. business within it's about so a week. Good that you've done so much business so early, and mm. and I think and it's so unlike you know us you, you're as well. going off I mean, in your, on your where are you guys going for your preseason tour? Korea. We're in Korea at the moment. Korea, right? We have okay. our first friendly on. Let me quickly tell you. Opening up the Spurs app. By the way, I would highly recommend, obviously not you though, because you won't care, but I would highly recommend anybody to pay the money to get Spurs oh, play Spurs and uh, watch the Conte 202 documentary, but also loads of other little snippets. There's a nice little sort oh, of yeah? mini segment on Ledley King, 30 minutes long, channeling his career and a few really kind of touching moments in there as well. But you also get mm. to watch all our preseason friendlies. Yes, they're extorting yeah. us. Yes, I don't care. I was about to say it was 
sponsored. We've been sponsored, and I didn't yes, hear about it. That's but not then a sponsor. It's a no, rip-off. We're not being sponsored by the club, no. But it's. But, I mean, it's like forty pounds a year, isn't it? But when you when you break it down month for month, now it really does sound like I'm trying to say, yeah. it, doesn't it? But it's not well, too bad, is it? In three days, we kick off against the South Korean eleven. Then after that, we've got Sevilla a few days after that. Then Rangers. Mm. Then we finish off at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium against Roma before the season kicks off. I will be watching every minute of every friendly including when mm. I'm on holidays and, uh, and you can report it back to us as well quiet. I remember us beating Roma 5-0 once in pre-season <laughs> mm. and then the season was terrible David I Bentley scored I don't twice. think you Darren can understand well as, as important as David Bentley scoring is I don't think you can understand <laughs> how important it is that all of the signings that we've talked about for the last hour are on that tour already oh they're in time yeah it's a big thing it's yeah. a big deal like it's Mm. It could be the difference in this, at the end of the season between, I don't know, fifth and sixth for you guys. Hey, enough of that. Clement Longley is not on the tour. Longley is not there. No, he didn't get his visa to go no. to Korea, so... Didn't quite make it Because we signed him too late. That's a shame. But, but at least you've right. got He's the on the bench four. anyway. He's a backup. He's got the other four. Rafinha, yeah, exactly. Rafinha's not in Australia, unsurprisingly, at the moment. He's training on his own. Not surprising at all. Did anyone see the video of Son welcoming his teammates at Korea? I mean, presumably he was already there. I don't know if he was playing in international or something, or he just got there early, but there was a, a video He's of him just waiting summer. with a big sign just saying welcome to Seoul while all the players ran off. It was just brilliant. And on that note, actually, I loved the video of Romero and Richarlison making friends and shaking hands and then the round of applause from everyone because I think everyone was waiting for that moment. I was kind of worried they were going to injure each other in training, but it seems like we don't have to... I, I was half expecting Richarlison to fall over. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, look, guys, we've gone well over an hour. Um, and I know it's been a while since we've done this, so we're trying to milk it for as much as we can. But we'll have another chance. And of course, we are going to do an episode right before the season starts, or at least one episode. We might even do a couple of others. Who knows? If we sign another five players next week, we might have to do an emergency update. But at least for the time being, this should give you guys a bit of your fix for the Plus Day podcast. And um, we'll, of course, be back next season weekly as we have been since we started and we should hopefully have joe alongside us as well by then so we've got that to look forward to but um anything to add before we wrap things up for this episode guys it's all good you excited about the season Le- to come in here spent 95 million pounds so far just so oh forget we'll do that next week dave honest sure, dave sure. you said you're underwhelmed by leeds signings who's the one that you don't like um you know what i was too harsh i'm not underwhelmed i'm just i'm just very aware that there's not a minute of Premier League football between them. Um, but they are all international footballers. <laughs> yeah. That has never been our strategy. Rafinha hadn't played in the Premier League. When we sign him for 18 million, we're about to make three times our money back. So, you know, there's a method to the madness and we'll see what happens. But it does feel like we're turning into Red Bull Leeds at the moment. But hey-ho. You know who else is an international footballer? Roque Jr. Roque Jr., indeed. Well, fortunately... <laughs> We're not going for any Brazilian centre-backs. We're going to lose... We're going to be in negative equity on the Brazilians by the start of the season, I think, in the in the squad. We've got three Brazilians now. We don't need a skills coach. God, all the South Americans. Three Brazilians, a Uruguayan, a Colombian, a couple of Argentinians. Well, we've, sought, we've sought a Brazilian winger for a Colombian winger. We've already bought him, so we need to get rid of Ravinha because at the moment, I think we've got too many... We've got too much, too much uh, sauce in our team at the moment. Oh, Dave, you've brought up Love Island and now you've tried to turn this into a Leeds podcast. So that's strike too so i think we should wrap things up soon before let's you, go. Let's you take go it before too far I, before i take us to a place we don't want to go do something you regret elio I'll, I'll let you have the final words what are your thoughts looking ahead to next season are you now more confident 
than you were when we wrapped things up at the end last year. I was pretty confident at that point. Um, <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know that. I think Conte, as a manager, getting in the players he wants and the players that suit his system is extremely exciting because forget the size of the fees, forget sort of the level of kind of gravitas around the players that Liverpool or City may have. Conte will have those players going to every match believing if I implement what my manager has told me to do, we are going to win this Mm. game. Whether it's Liverpool or City or whether it's Fulham and Bournemouth. I've picked some of them a bit today. Um, Thanks to to Harry Winks earlier. So I genuinely am excited. I'm not saying we're going to win the league, but I do think that in Conte's mind, we should be able to beat anybody home and away if the players do what he tells them to do. And that is really exciting because if he thinks that, then we have reason to think that too. Do you think the players are talking about winning the league? Do you think Conte is telling them what they need to do to win the league? Or are they not talking in those terms yet? I think Conte isn't hanging around to challenge for fourth. Interesting. Well, I think that's a good note to end things on. Well, look, it's been a while. So if you've forgotten, you can follow us on Twitter at Plus Day Podcast. You can email us at plusdaypodcast at gmail.com. And um, please do. We always welcome interaction from our Twitter followers. We've got quite a few of you nowadays, which is brilliant to see. And of course, we're getting listeners all over the world and we hope to have even more next season. So we will be back. It won't be next week, but it will be before the season starts. So we look forward to having all of you back. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Elio. And thanks, everyone, for listening. Until next time, stay classy Spurs fans and we will see you soon. Oh,